Welcome to the African History Network show right here on 910 AM Superstation, the future radio. I'm your host, Brother Michael M. Hotel. It is Wednesday, June 30th, 2021, and we are live. Hope everybody's doing well today. Well, it was a very busy day. It was a busy news day. We got breaking news um, today. Um Early afternoon, I think it was, that uh, legendary comedian Bill Cosby was being released from prison uh, involving his 2018 uh, sexual assault conviction. And the Pennsylvania Supreme Court uh, overturned his conviction. Uh, and ordered his release from prison after finding that he was denied protection against self-incrimination based upon the Fifth Amendment of the U.S. Constitution. Now, I reported on this trial. I reported on the case before it went to trial. And the whole the whole time, I found it very strange that this case was going to trial. And that was because of the agreement that then District Attorney uh, Castor said existed between he and uh, Bill Cosby and Bill Cosby's legal team at the time that he would not be uh, criminally prosecuted. And because of the and, and Castor said uh, that they, there was not enough uh, evidence, there was no physical evidence. He said Andrea Constant, uh, her testimony changed, and he said that uh, there was not enough evidence to criminally prosecute Bill Cosby. Okay, so then it entered. So then uh, Cosby, uh, it, it, there was this. Um, Civil trial. Before the civil trial, Cosby agreed to a deposition based upon the fact that he would not be criminally charged. There were actually four depositions. Then went to a criminal trial. He was found liable. The new prosecutor comes in. Disregards the previous agreement. Between the old prosecutor, Castor and the Cosby team then prosecutes him. I mean, the whole thing was just strange. So we're going to, we're going to talk about what happened because I, I remember this and I remember, I remember talking about this, covering this on, on the show. Now, let me say this from the start. Um, I'm against sexual assault, whether it's men or women. Uh, if somebody sexually assaults someone and, you know, there's evidence or what have you, they should be prosecuted. But in this case, I mean, there were a number of things that were just very, very strange. And the other thing that a lot of people are not leaving out, because I, I, I've heard all the pros and cons basically today and the Me Too women and the sexual assault survivors. And my heart goes out to sexual assault survivors as well. But Bill Cosby has maintained his innocence the whole time, even while he's in prison. Even now, he just came up for probation 
uh, a couple of weeks, two or three weeks ago, he maintained his innocence then. Now, also, let me say this, you know, having looked at now, there's been a number of women that come out with allegations of varying types. Some of them forced kissing, some of them forced touching or what have you, some sexual assault, things like this. So there's, there's a few things that are obvious to me. Everybody share this broadcasting on social media platforms. We're broadcasting on our Facebook fan page, the African History Network, and my YouTube channel, Michael and Hotel. So there are a few things that are obvious to me. Okay. One, from all, from, from, from all the reports, all the allegations, going back years, it, it, it's obvious. A few things are obvious. Number one, it appears he's a freak. I'm just saying it. This is the, you know, it appears, I'm just saying, one, it appears he's a freak. Two, if you want to know what I learned from this, is don't cheat on your wife. Because, yeah, let's be honest. Now, if he hadn't been cheating on his wife, because we know there was at least one confirmed rendezvous before this. He admitted to it. Remember? He called it a rendezvous. So he admitted to that before this. I'm not saying that was sexual assault or anything like that, but I'm just saying what I learned from this. I don't know what you learned from this. What I learned from this is don't cheat on your wife. Two, uh, leave these women alone. Three, don't cheat on your wife. So with that being said, then you got this whole crazy case right here. And this is a case. And one of the craziest things about this case is the when it came time for re-election of the prosecutor. The prosecutor who ended up winning uh, and defeating Prosecutor Castor, and Prosecutor Castor, we know, is one of the impeachment uh, uh, defense attorneys for Donald Trump. Read into that what you want. Read into that what you want, because Trump has a bunch of sexual misconduct assaults against him as well. But anyway, um, the current prosecutor, Kevin Steele, Montgomery County prosecutor, when he ran against Castor, the current pro the, the prosecutor who made the deal with uh, uh, Bill Cosby and his legal team, Kevin Steele, the, ch the challenger to the prosecutor position, one of the platforms that he ran on, or one of the planks in his platform, or one of the prom promises that he made if he won, was to prosecute Bill Cosby. So when you go back, because I, I remember when they had the election, and I remember when the primaries were taking place, all this stuff, and I'm like, you, you, part of your platform is to prosecute Cosby, but the current prosecutor said there wasn't enough evidence to bring charges. So prosecuting Cosby became political. Prosecuting Bill Cosby became political. I'm looking at this whole thing unfold. I'm like, this is, this is strange. So I posted on our Facebook fan page, the African history network, the African history network today. And it got, uh, I don't know, 250 likes, something like that. I think it should have gotten more likes, but anyway, I, I did this post and then we're, we're going to go to uh, some clips here. Also, we're going to continue our discussion dealing with Kwame Ture. We know 
uh, uh, we know, uh, Tuesday, June 29th was Kwame Ture's 80th birthday. Stokely Carmichael was born June 29th, 1941. We're going to continue our discussion and we'll, we'll talk about black power, SNCC student nonviolent coordinating committee and John Lewis. I'll show an excerpt of the interview I did with, uh, associate professor of history at Ohio State University. Dr. Hassan Kwame Jeffries, a nephew of one of my teachers, Dr. Leonard Jeffries. And we talked about uh, Kwame Ture, John Lewis, and uh, Kwame Ture becoming chairman of SNCC in 1966 and infusing black nationalism and black power into SNCC and the comments that Bill Clinton made at John Lewis' funeral uh, about uh, Kwame Ture, Stokely Carmichael. We'll talk about that in the second half of the show. So I, I want to go to this uh uh, Facebook post I did. I, it was on Twitter, and I shared it on uh, on Facebook. Um, here's what I said: The Pennsylvania Supreme Court has overturned Bill Cosby's sexual assault conviction, finding an agreement with a previous prosecutor prevented him from being charged. See, the whole thing is in this particular case. Now I don't know about. I can't speak for the other women. I can't speak for other women. Okay. In this particular case, Bill, Bill Cosby should have never been charged. Now, if, if evidence comes up of a previous sexual assault and it's within the statute of limitations and they find this probable claw, probable cause to charge him or whatever. Okay. And we'll charge him. If he's found guilty. Okay. He's found guilty. But in this particular case right here, he should have never been prosecuted in the first place. The Pennsylvania Supreme Court has overturned Bill Cosby's sexual assault conviction, finding an agreement with a previous prosecutor preventing him from being charged. I reported on this case. Uh, uh, I reported on this case uh, during the trial, during this trial. Uh, I knew something was wrong with this case. And I did the whole time. It was like something really strange about this case. Then after he was, well, even I think short, right before he was put on trial or something like that, but then afterwards. Then you start having schools that gave him honorary degrees and all, all this stuff. They started revoking the honorary degrees, what have you. It was just, it was just a whole, uh, it was just something that I had never seen before, especially when white men convicted of sexual assault or what have you. It's just something I'd never seen before. So this is, this is what we're dealing with this is what happened today. Uh, I'm gonna we're gonna jump into this here. You know, on the African History Network show, we focus on educating, empowering, and inspiring people of African descent throughout the diaspora and around the world because right now it's curious wrong behavior. What you do for yourself, what you do to yourself, and what you allow other people to do to you and get away with is based upon what you think about yourself. What you think, what you think about yourself is based upon what you have been taught about yourself. What you've been taught about yourself is based upon everything you've read, heard, and seen about yourself. So when you control the radius of a man or woman's thoughts, you can control the circumference of his or her actions because the mind can't do it, teach what it doesn't know. Now, I want to go to, um, we're going to go to clip one here in just a second, Shakita. Uh, we're going to squeeze this in. Yeah, let's do this. Let's, uh, let's do this. We're coming up on a break. Let's go to clip, uh, let's go to clip one, Shakita. This is from NBC News, Lester Holt. Uh, now this is right when they got the word right before he was released. Okay. Let's go to this clip, Shakita. Breaking news about Bill Cosby. The Pennsylvania Supreme Court has overturned the 83 year old actor's sex assault conviction, 
and he could be released from prison within hours. Cosby served more than two years of a three to ten year sentence convicted of drugging and molesting Temple University employee Andrea Constant. Ron Allen has been covering this case from the very beginning. Ron, why was the conviction vacated? Throughout this entire process, Cosby had complained that the other accusers, other than Andrea Constant, were allowed to testify at his trial. You remember the first trial ended in a, a deadlocked hung jury. One woman was allowed to testify. In the second trial, there were five other so-called fire bad acts that were explored by the by the prosecutors, five other women who had accused him of, of similar sexual assault. But the prosecutors justified this by saying that they were trying to show that there was a pattern, that he had treated women the same way, that he essentially had, had befriended or become a mentor for some young performers uh, and, and then started seeing them. And then at some point, this became a romantic relationship and that he allegedly drugged them and sexually assaulted them in some way. Uh, the Supreme Court is now saying that that's unfair, essentially, to have these other witnesses testify. It, 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 this is central to many cases that have been part of the Me Too movement. The Harvey Weinstein case, there were four other women who were allowed to testify in his case as well. So while this pertains to only the case of Bill Cosby in Pennsylvania, it could have far-reaching implications because the basic principle here that Cosby argued, and apparently successfully before the Supreme Court, is that he should have been tried only based on what happened uh, in the Andrea Constance matter that was before the court. That the, the jury uh, could not and should not have heard other testimony from other women about other things that he had done. There was also a deposition. Okay, pause it right there. Pause, pause it right there, Shakita. Pause it right there. We're coming up on a break. Back it up about a minute or so. Okay, we'll continue this on the other side of the break. Listen to the African History Network show right here on 9, 10 a.m. Superstation of Future Radio. I'm your host, Brother Michael M. Hotel. We'll be back in a few minutes. Black on Purpose Television Network. Yes, Black on Purpose Television Network. All black, all positive, all the time. The largest black-owned streaming television network in the world. Bringing our people together worldwide. Controlling our messages, our stories, our way. Black TV, the way it should be. Black music, black history, and more. 30 plus channels, thousands of shows. Black on Purpose Television Network, subscribe now. 910, the Superstation, Detroit's only African-American talk radio. Welcome back to 910 AM, the Superstation, WFDF. I'm your host, Brother Michael M. Hotep. It is Wednesday, June 30th, 2021, and we are live. Call the numbers 313-778-7600. 313-778-7600 is the calling number if you have a question or comment. So we're talking about the breaking news story that came out today, came clear out of the blue. Uh, legendary comedian, actor, uh, Bill Cosby has been released his, uh, from prison, his 2018, uh, sexual assault con conviction and decent assault conviction was overturned by the, uh, Pennsylvania Supreme Court. 
if we look at, we're going to go back to the clip here in just a minute. If we look at, uh, I want to look at the article here from uh, uh, NBCnews.com. I read the one from NBC News, read it from Associated Press. Half of the half of the uh, outlets first picked up the article from the Associated Press. Associated Press was the first one to break the story. So I read the story from the Associated Press earlier today when when the news broke. Uh, let's look at this quickly here from uh, NBC News. So the Pennsylvania Supreme Court, um, the Pennsylvania Supreme Court overturned the indecent uh, assault conviction on an uh, indecent assault conviction of Bill Cosby on Wednesday and ordered him re, uh, ordered his release from prison after finding that he was denied protection against self-incrimination. Okay, denied protection against self-incrimination. His Fifth Amendment rights were violated. Now, the court said that a prosecutor's decision not to charge Bill Cosby, who's now 83 years old, in an earlier case opened the door for him to speak freely in a lawsuit against him. So this was a civil lawsuit uh, against him, thinking he would not incriminate himself criminally because he had the deal with the prosecutor at the time, Castor, okay, that he would not be criminally prosecuted. Therefore, he agreed to four depositions regarding a civil lawsuit involving Andrea Constant. Now, a second prosecutor later used the lawsuit testimony in a criminal trial, and that testimony was key in his conviction years later. The testimony from the depositions and from the civil lawsuit was key in the criminal trial that convicted him. The second prosecutor was prosecutor Kevin Steele. When Kevin Steele ran against prosecutor uh, Castor, uh, Kevin Steele, part of his platform was that he would prosecute Bill Cosby for this case. Because the, 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 the case was um, when they filed charges against Cosby and Andrea Constant case, it was right before the statute of limitations expired. The whole thing was strange. I'm watching this unfold. I'm reporting on this. The whole thing was strange. I'm sitting back. I'm saying, wait a second. Hold on. He had to deal with the previous prosecutor. And, and, and the previous prosecutor said there was no physical evidence that her, her testimony uh, changed. And he said it was not enough evidence to bring it to a criminal trial. Now, once again, Cosby said that what the sexual contact was consensual. OK. Uh, now I'm going to go back to what I learned from this. Don't cheat on your wife. Get mad at me if you want to. I'm, I'm, I'm trying. To, if he hadn't been. We, we know. OK, first of all, there was a rendezvous previously. So. We know he admitted. To what well, he admitted to this too, so he admitted to cheating at least twice on Camille. Okay, you get mad at me if you want to. I'm just saying, I learned don't cheat on your wife. I ain't married, but I'm just saying. Okay, so hopefully, you know, I know he's 83. I know men are still potent in their 90s. Hopefully, he learned from this. Okay, I'm, I'm just saying. I like Bill Cosby, but I'm just saying. Hopefully, he learned from this. So. Um, so a second prosecutor, Kevin Steele, 
later used the lawsuit testimony in a criminal trial. And that testimony was key in his conviction years later. Now, uh, Bill Cosby was convicted on three felony counts of aggravated three felony counts of aggravated indecent assault in 2018 of drugging and assaulting Andrea Constand in 2004. He's convicted 14 years later after this incident took place. Okay. And he was serving a three to 10 year sentence. He has served nearly three years of the sentence. Now keep in mind that he's maintained his innocence the whole time, including just like two or three weeks ago when he was up for parole and denied parole. He maintained his innocence like the whole time. Now the state Supreme court said that, uh, Bill Cosby cannot be retried on the same charges because of double jeopardy laws. Here's what, uh, justice David White of the Pennsylvania Supreme court, uh, wrote, he said, when an unconditional charging decision is made publicly, when an unconditional charging decision is made publicly and with the intent to induce action and reliance by the defendant. And when the defendant does so to his detriment and in some instances upon the advice of counsel, denying the defendant the benefit of that decision is an affront to fundamental fairness. According to the high court opinion authored by Justice David White, White of the Pennsylvania Supreme Court, he went on to say, for these reasons, Cosby's Cosby's convictions and judgment of sentence are vacated and he is discharged. In other words, he said a deal is a deal. That's basically that's basically what he's saying. A deal is a deal. He had to deal with the previous prosecutor. The second prosecutor can't then come and then backtrack on the deal. A deal is a deal. And he gave up his Fifth Amendment rights, okay, based upon the deal that he would not be criminally prosecuted. So he agreed to four depositions. He agreed to four depositions for a civil case upon the agreement that he would not be criminally prosecuted. Now, the prosecution of Bill, Co of Bill Cosby was one of the made one of the first major milestones of the hashtag me too movement as women came forward with their tales of uh, and their stories of unwanted sexual advances and harassment in the workplace. Cosby spokesman, Andrew Wyatt, thanked the comedian's legal team and the Pennsylvania Supreme court calling Wednesday's ruling a moment of justice for black Americans. Now that got some backlash right there. That, but, you know, there's a lot of African-Americans who said, wait a second. Now, we don't know about these other women, but this right here is like, it's something wrong with this case right here. We don't know about these other women. I mean, it's clear. I, I, I've said before that I, I, it, it, to me, I mean, it appears Bill Collins is a freak. I mean, I'm just, I'm just saying before, I, I'm not saying he raped somebody. I ain't saying that, but it, I mean, it, it, come on now. All right. So, but. This case right here, something wrong with this right here. And he should have never been prosecuted in this case. Now, as I said before, if other allegations come out and, you know, they're credible and they say it's enough evidence to prosecute and, you know, another uh, case, another woman, what have you, he's found guilty. Okay. Well, 
all right, you, you know, whatever the penalty is, okay, it is what it is. All right. But in this case right here, something wrong. Quote, this is the justice Mr. Cosby has been fighting for. Uh, spokesman Andrew Wyatt said in a statement, they saw the light. He waived his Fifth Amendment right and settled out of court. He did say he paid millions of dollars. I think it was like three or four million dollars to Andrew to Constand. That was in the civil suit. Then they come back with the criminal case. He was given a deal and had immunity. He should have never been charged. End quote. All right. Now. Um, now, Andrea Constant released a, a joint statement in her, in her attorneys uh, uh, with her attorneys Wednesday, asserting that she was never privy to any kind of prosecutorial deal with Cosby in 2005, et cetera. I want to go back to this clip here. Uh, this is from uh, NBC News. And this is when they first got the news that Bill Cosby was going to be uh, released. Let's go back to this clip, Shakita. News about Bill Cosby. The Pennsylvania Supreme Court has overturned the 83-year-old actor's sex assault conviction, and he could be released from prison within hours. Cosby served more than two years of a three- to ten-year sentence convicted of drugging and molesting Temple University employee Andrea Constant. Ron Allen has been covering this case from the very beginning. Ron, why was the conviction vacated? Throughout this entire process, Cosby had complained that the other accusers, other than Andrea Constant, were allowed to testify at his trial. You'll remember the first trial ended in a, a deadlocked hung jury. One woman was allowed to testify. In the second trial, there were five other so-called prior bad acts that were explored by the, by the prosecutors, five other women who had accused him of, of similar sexual assault. But the prosecutors justified this by saying that they were trying to show that there was a pattern, that he had treated women the same way, that he essentially had, had befriended or become a mentor for some young performers uh, and, and then started seeing them. And then at some point, this became a romantic relationship and that he allegedly drugged them and sexually assaulted them in some way. Uh, the Supreme Court is now saying that that's unfair, essentially, to have these other witnesses testify. It, 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 this is central to many cases that have been part of the Me Too movement. The Harvey Weinstein case, there were four other women who were allowed to testify in his case as well. So while this pertains to only the case of Bill Cosby in Pennsylvania, it could have far-reaching implications because the basic principle here that Cosby argued, and apparently successfully before the Supreme Court, is that he should have been tried only based on what happened uh, in the Andrea Constance matter that was before the court, that the, the jury uh, could not and should not have heard other testimony from other women about other things that he had done. There was also a deposition that had been sealed as a result of a civil suit that Constance had brought, brought, against, brought against Cosby. Uh, the, the judge in the, in the criminal case against Cosby allowed that deposition to be unsealed, even though there was an agreement Cosby maintained with the prior prosecutor that it would remain confidential and secret. So basically, Cosby's argument throughout this whole thing has been he wasn't treated fairly, that he was uh, that, that other witnesses were allowed to testify that didn't pertain to this particular case. And it appears, I'm still reading through the decisions, through the, the opinions, 
but it appears the Supreme Court agreed with that basic principle. All right. Ron Allen, thank you. Okay, pause it right there, Shakita. Pause it right there. Pause it right there. Okay. We're going to go to clip two here in just a second. All right. So that is when we first got the news. Okay. Before he was released, first got the news that his uh, conviction was being vacated and he was going to be released uh, today. All right. Now, I, I want to go back to uh, this article here from uh, NBC News. We're going to go back to the piece from NBC News here for just a second. All right. Now. Uh, we're going to pick up here. So about two hours after the ruling was published on Wednesday, Cosby was released from uh, SCI uh, Phoenix Detention Center, about 35 miles northeast of Philadelphia, where he had been housed as inmate number NN76A7, a corrections official said. The freed Bill Cosby was driven to his home in Elkins Park, uh, which is about 25 miles southeast of the prison. Uh, he was helped out of uh, the car while wearing a maroon T-shirt and baggy blue pants. Cosby emerged from the house a short time later wearing a T-shirt of Central High School in Philadelphia. A handful of supporters cheered uh, him with shouts of hey, 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 which is uh, homage to Fat Albert. And he raised uh, a fist but did not answer any questions from reporters. Now we have, uh, we're going to go after this next clip. I'll let you hear from the, the, the brief press conference that took place. Um, Andrew Wyatt spoke and you hear from uh, Cosby's uh, legal team also. Now, Cosby later called into uh, local Philadelphia radio station WDAS-FM, where he said the audience needed, quote, clarity. They need guidance. He said the audience needed clarity. They need guidance. Uh, Bill Cosby said, because this is not just a black thing, this is for all the people who have been imprisoned wrongfully, regardless of race, color or creed, because I met them in there. People who talked about what happened and what they did. And I know there are many liars out there and I know there are many liars out there. Now, uh, let me see here. Okay. So Cosby also tweeted uh, a statement on Wednesday following his release from prison. He said, I have never changed my stance nor my story. I have never changed my stance nor my, nor my story. I have always maintained my innocence. Thank you to all my fans, supporters, and friends who stood by me through this ordeal. Special thanks to the Pennsylvania Supreme Court for upholding the rule of law. Um, okay, we're going to go to clip number two here. And clip number two is uh, from NBC News once again, Lester Holt. This is when we got the word that he was, uh, Bill Cosby was actually released from prison. Let's go to clip two. Breaking news about Bill Cosby. The comedian was just released from prison after the Pennsylvania Supreme Court overturned the 83-year-old actor's sex assault conviction. Cosby served more than two years of a three- to ten-year sentence convicted of drugging and molesting Temple University employee Andrea Constant. NBC Justice correspondent Pete Williams joins us. Uh, Pete, what can you tell us about the, the legal reasoning that led to this decision? 
Well, the court says the facts are very straightforward, that when the victim initially came forward, the district attorney decided not to file charges, that there were too many problems with the evidence, and that he publicly made a statement that he would not pursue these charges and that he did so in order to free up the possibility that Cosby could be forced to testify in a civil trial that she filed against him later and that he could not in that civil trial then invoke his Fifth Amendment right against his self-incrimination because he was told by the district attorney and believed the advice of his own lawyers that anything he said in the civil trial could not be used against him in the criminal trial if the state tried it again. So he did testify. He did incriminate himself. He said things that were incriminating in the civil trial. And then the district, the uh, the state of uh, Pennsylvania, came back and charged him with the crime. What the Supreme Court said today is, you can't do that. You made him, uh, you gave him a reason to believe that he could testify at the civil trial without putting himself in jeopardy of the criminal prosecution. The Pennsylvania court said, our sense of fair play and decency uh, compels us to believe that the district attorney, the district attorney, had to stand by the decision that was made by a predecessor in the office not to charge. So that's the reasoning of the court. The outcome, Lester, is that he cannot be tried again on these charges. That means that the woman at the center of this case, uh, she can't uh, be the subject of another criminal prosecution. This one is over. Now, that doesn't mean that other victims could come forward and the state could uh, investigate and decide whether or not to pursue criminal charges based on entirely different facts, but there can't be a retrial on this case. We know that there are other women who testified uh, of what they thought was similar behavior against them. Uh, there's a statute of limitations is issue. Would that prevent some of these cases from going forward? Potentially, and the court doesn't uh, explicitly says here that they're not making any decision about any other potential case or any of the testimony that was offered in the civil trial. They simply say that issue isn't before us and we're not going to answer it. Okay. Uh, so, let's stop, uh, pause the clip right there. Thanks. So, that is from uh, NBC News. And uh, that is from when we got word that uh, Bill Cosby was released from prison. And we also heard from um, White House correspondent Pete Williams there to give uh, more uh, of a legal analysis, legal breakdown of what was taking place. Now, th th this is the same thing that I said back when the trial took place and everything. I'm like, wait a second, how did they just disregard the previous agreement with the previous prosecutor? Whether you agree with it or not, whether you like Bill Cosby or not, this don't have nothing to do with like anything like that. It's like, wait a second, a deal is a deal. Now we can make the some people may make the argument, oh, the prosecution never said that, never made the deal. Okay. But he did. Uh, we'll go to the phone lines in just a second here. Uh we'll go to Theo just a second, hold the line. Uh this is the tweet from uh Bill Cosby on Twitter. Uh Bill Cosby said, I have never changed my stance nor my story. I have always maintained my innocence. Thank you to all my fans, supporters, and friends who stood by me through this ordeal. Special thanks to the Pennsylvania Supreme Court for upholding the rule of law. All right. And uh, it is Bill Con at Bill Cosby on Twitter. Okay, so you can follow him there if you want to. 
I just followed him just because I, I follow celebrities. I follow Donald Trump just because I report on this stuff. So, uh, you know, I need to know what they're saying. All right. If you'd like this type of information, also, you can uh, support the African History Network. Dollar sign the AHN show through Cash App. Dollar sign the AHN show through Cash App. Also through PayPal, paypal.me forward slash the AHN show. PayPal.me forward slash the AHN show. Uh, we're here six days a week. This helps us keep uh, doing the broadcasting, keep uh, stay on the air, keep doing the research, pay some of the bills, etc. Uh, also at our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. Uh, you can support us there as well. When you do it through Cash App, it's dollar sign the AHN show, S-H-O-W. And it'll say, uh, Michael and show my picture there. That's our official, uh, Cash App tag, dollar sign the AHN show, S-H-O-W. These other ones are fake Cash App accounts. Somebody set up and they've been stealing money from us. I already ported them to Cash App. So. I'm trying to take other steps and let people know about this. All right, let's go to the phone lines. Let's go to Theo. I guess this is Theo Broughton from Hood Research Line One. Theo, welcome to the African History Network show. Thanks for holding. Uh, you're welcome. Happy Wednesday to you. Happy Wednesday. Uh, first thing I want to say is everybody needs to vote yes for Proposal P. Now, as it relates to Bill Cosby, someone said to me, is son was murdered after he attempted to purchase NBC. Is that the right timeline? Those, those, those were uh, those were years apart. The, uh, I can't remember which one came first. Those were years apart. I wouldn't try to connect the two of those. Okay, well, that's what I was, I was told that his son was, was murdered after he attempted to buy NBC. And now it, it seems that um, this thing with this woman uh, may have something to do with it as well. We're talking about systemic racism raising its ugly head. But my question is, why does she keep going back? Why does he keep going back? What to what? What are you talking about? Why did she? She? Why did she keep going back? And that's that's what was. Well, mean what? Okay, so she she was uh, an administrator with. Uh, Temple University. She was seeking career advice from him. Uh, that did. Mm -hmm. That's one of the things that came up in the um, uh, in the civil trial. That's one of the things that came up in the civil trial, mm -hmm. as well as the criminal trial. And she also got a multi million dollar settlement. I think it was about three million, four million dollars um, mm -hmm. um, from the uh, from the civil trial, also. Okay. Trial, right. Well, then she still went to the criminal trial. And for her to do that, being, it, it seems that she was being encouraged or pressured over by whatever means uh, moved to continue on to the next trial. She wasn't going to get $3 million from the second trial, only the civil trial, right? So. Not, not, not in the criminal trial, only in the civil yeah. trial. She got, she got the money from the civil trial. Not, not the criminal trial. Yeah, that's my point. But they went to criminal anyway. Well, 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 they went to the criminal trial. They went to the criminal trial. It was a different prosecutor. It was prosecutor Kevin mm -hmm. Steele with the criminal with the criminal trial. It was a different prosecutor. This prosecutor who tried Bill Cosby when he ran for the position of prosecutor, that was one of the promises he made that he would prosecute Bill Cosby mm -hmm. in this case. 
Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, it is still connected to systemic racism. Okay. All right. Thanks for calling. Okay. All right. Keep listening. Thanks for calling. All right. Uh, we're going to go to Ron in just a second here. Uh, just for uh, the sake of accuracy here, uh, Bill Cosby tried to buy NBC in 1992. His son Ennis was killed five years later in 97. I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't make a connection between the two is five years later, but okay. Uh, let's go to Ron. Ron, uh, welcome to the African History Network show. Thanks for holding. Tell us where you're calling from. From Detroit, um, I guess great show tonight. Hey, I, I got a feeling this is going to be the show for uh, pretty much much of the summer here. But anyway, <laughs> well, hold, 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 we got a we have a whole lot of other issues to talk about. Now we can talk about this in addition to the other issues. Hopefully, people just ain't preoccupied with Bill Cosby. But go ahead, go ahead, Ron. Yeah, yeah, I'm hoping. But yeah, this is the reason I see this as is because one. Let me ask you this question. And I will clarify this question. Was there any physical evidence found on any of these cases? Um, with the other woman, I have, to, I have to look at the other woman. This is the only one that has gone to trial. With the other allegations, uh, I, don't, I don't remember offhand. I have to go back and look in my files on that. I don't remember offhand. This is the only one that's going to trial. There was no physical evidence in this particular case. Yeah, because now I get what he's saying as far mm-hmm. as this is not being a black thing, because this is setting up very ugly presidents. If this would have kept on, it would have set a very ugly presidents because Anyone from high school, college, from 1984, 1985 years, right. say, hey, you've done X, Y, you robbed the bank that day. Right. We don't have a, we don't have you on tape. We don't have you, but five or so people who were in the bank that day said that you were the guy that robbed it. Right. How do we prove this? Right, right, right. Yeah. How, how do you prove that you weren't the one that did it? And, but but the other thing is uh, the the burden of the proof is on the prosecution. The burden of the proof is on the prosecution. So Correct. so uh, right. Okay. All right. All right, Ron. We ran out of time without here. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead and finish your thought. What I'm saying is, that without physical evidence, then you got a lot of brothers locked down. Mm-hmm. Not Bill Cosby got money, but you got a lot of brothers still locked down for murder, mm-hmm. for robbery, for rape that have no physical evidence. Somebody think they may have seen that individual walking from a house from a guy that was murdered, but right. nothing in the house had its prints on it. Right, right, exactly. He's still sitting in jail. Right, the okay. Same guy, the same guy that people say the same thing, and, and what I'm saying is that this sets a precedent for black men and, and other men who... No physical evidence to bag up anything can be accused of anything. Okay. Especially when you talk about years ago. Right. All right. Thanks for calling, Ron. Call back tomorrow. We're out of uh, we're out of time here. Okay. Uh, I want to go to this uh, uh, next clip. We want to squeeze this in, uh, Shakita. Uh, I'm going to go to the clip I just emailed you, uh, Monique Presley. This is from December 2015. Monique Presley. Uh, we're both panelists on Roland Martin Unfiltered. Uh, she was on today on Roland Martin Unfiltered, but she was part of Bill Cosby's defense team in 2015. Here is a excerpt of her on Good Morning America in December 2015. Here's what she said. 
as for my expectation, I expect that because the DA's office, after 12 years, has chosen to reignite and to charge my client for a, a crime uh, and an unjustified charge after a prior district attorney for this very office said publicly and privately that it should not be done and then led my client into a civil process where he testified because he believed that there was no thought whatsoever, no possibility of him being charged criminally since that's what they said. Um, but I expect now that all of those things will get ferreted out in a court of law and I have faith in the justice system. Okay, so that was attorney Monique Presley, December 2015 on Good Morning America. And she laid out the fact that there was this agreement. Now, the agreement with Cosby's defense team and prosecutor Castor was before uh, Monique Presley became part of the defense team. OK, and I remember her saying she would not have a, she would not have her client agree to uh, a deposition in a civil uh, lawsuit either. That was from December 31st, 2015. Uh, Monique Presley on Good Morning America. So uh, Monique was on Attorney Presley was on Roland Martin Unfiltered today. We're going to go to clip four, Shakita. We're going to go to clip four. She was on Roland Martin Unfiltered today, echoing what she said back in 2015. Let's go to clip four. First and foremost, uh, Monique Presley, uh, crisis manager and lawyer, A. Scott Bolden, of course, a former head of the National Bar Association Action Committee. Uh, I want to talk with them uh, first. Uh, Monique, I'll start with you. Um, was today's decision by the Pennsylvania Supreme Court overturning lower court's ruling, was it a shock to you? You previously represented Bill Cosby uh, in this particular case. Um, you were one of several lawyers. But your thoughts on today's decision by the Pennsylvania State Supreme Court? Uh, they did the right thing. And uh, what I said on December 31st, 2015, is the same thing that I have to say today and that the Supreme Court ultimately said. When a prosecutor makes a promise and a defendant or potential defendant relies on the promise to his own detriment, uh, that cannot be. And the prosecutor, original prosecutor, made a promise, declined to prosecute, and induced the testimony of Mr. Cosby in a civil case because of that assurance. But for that, he would have had the opportunity, and certainly the lawyers then would have advised him to plead the fifth. He would have remained silent because there was the potential out there for a criminal charge in that case. Uh, Ruth Castor's decision eliminated that as a possibility, supposedly. And then you fast forward 12 years to a new prosecutor who somehow decides that if the person who's sitting in the seat of government wants to do something different because the call, the times call for something different, or because it's an election season and he wants to win, uh, then he doesn't have to honor what a prior prosecutor promised and what a potential defendant relied upon. It was absurd from the outset and should not have occurred. Uh, and so what, what the Supreme Court said about it is that that cannot happen. Okay, pa pa pause it right there, Shakita. Pause it right there. 
Pause right there. All right. Those watching on our Facebook fan page, the African history network, the African history network and my YouTube channel, Michael M hotel. Keep watching. We're going to keep broadcasting. We're out of time here on nine, 10 AM superstation WFDF. If you like this type of information, be sure to support us. Dollar sign the AHN show through cash app dollar sign the AHN show through cash app. Also through PayPal, paypal.me forward slash the AHN show paypal.me forward slash the AHN show. And be sure to register for my new online course that starts up Sunday, July 4th, 2 PM Eastern standard time. It's a 10 week online course, ancient Kemet, the Moors and the Ma'afa understanding the transatlantic slave trade where they didn't teach you in school. Visit our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. You can register there. Right now, it's correct. Wrong behavior is not over till we win Wakanda forever. We'll talk to you tomorrow night. Peace. All right. Stand by, everybody. Okay. We're going to keep going. Uh, if you visit our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, right on the home page, we have the uh, information for this 10-week online course that I teach. And we do thousands of years of history and what led up to the transatlantic slave trade uh, taking place. We do the class live. All the sessions are recorded. You can go back and watch them over and over again. You can watch from around the world as well. I do a PowerPoint presentation. We have uh, book uh, references, guest speakers, uh, everything. Okay. In the class, ancient Kemet, the Moors and the Ma'afa. Understanding the transatlantic slave trade where they didn't teach you in school. So if you go to our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, uh, when you scroll down the page, you'll see the information for our radio show. We're here Monday through Friday, 11 p.m. to midnight Eastern Standard Time. Sundays, 9 p.m. to 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. You can click right here to listen to audio podcasts of the shows. I just uploaded audio podcast today. Click here to read articles I've written. We have the information for the online course here. It's 10 weeks. Uh, click here to register and it takes you to the next page and click on enroll. Uh, of course, it's regularly $130. It's on sale $80. As soon as you register, you can start watching bonus content and you can watch classes one through seven of our current uh, Saturday class, our current Saturday class. We have uh, two more sessions of the Saturday class, but it will enroll you for the uh, class that is on uh, starts up Sundays. Uh, 10 consecutive Sundays starting July 4th, the 4th of July, July 4th, 2 p.m. to 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. OK. And Dr. David M. Hotep, uh, who wrote the book, The First Americans Were Africans Documented Evidence, was uh, one of our guest speakers in the class on uh, June 12th. So as soon as you register, you can watch that class also that we did with Dr. David M. Hotep who wrote the book, The First Americans Were Africans, Documented Evidence. His new book is out, The First Americans Were Africans, uh, Revised. And uh, I need to call him to set up another interview with him also. All right, let's go back to uh, this here dealing with uh, Bill Cosby. How's everybody doing? Share this broadcast on your social media platforms. Invite your friends to tune in also. All right, uh, I want to go back to the uh, clip here from uh, Roland Martin Unfiltered and we were hearing from uh, attorney Monique Presley. Let me uh, pull that back up. All right, just a second here. Let me pull that back up. Uh, all right, hold on. I got to 
pulled that. Okay, here we go. Let's go back to this clip. Supreme Court ultimately said when a prosecutor makes a promise and a defendant or potential defendant relies on the promise to his own detriment, uh, that cannot stand. The prosecutor, original prosecutor, made a promise, declined to prosecute, and induced the testimony of Mr. Cosby in a civil case because of that assurance. But for that, he would have had the opportunity, and certainly the lawyers then would have advised him to plead the fifth. He would have remained silent because there was the potential out there for a criminal charge in that case. Uh, Bruce Castor's decision eliminated that as a possibility, supposedly. And then you fast forward 12 years to a new prosecutor who somehow decides that if the person who's sitting in the seat of government wants to do something different because the calls, the times call for something different, or because it's an election season and he wants to win, uh, then he doesn't have to honor what a prior prosecutor promised and what a potential defendant relied upon. It was absurd from the outset and should not have occurred. Uh, and so what, what the Supreme Court said about it is that that cannot happen, that the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania has to adhere to the promises of its officers where its citizens have relied on those promises. And that's what we saw today. Uh, there, there's been a lot of a lot of people who have been commenting, a lot of people who have been saying this is an outrage uh, that Bill Cosby should not have been free from prison. Uh, Scott Bolden, uh, this was a 79 page decision rendered by the Pennsylvania Supreme Court. Uh, your judgment on today's decision. Scott, we have no audio, so please unmute yourself. Sorry. Uh, it was the law and the Supreme Court in a 79-page decision, which means they were very intentional about this, said, you know, regardless of what you think about Bill Cosby and the five or six women or the dozens of women who he allegedly uh, was uh, wrongfully acted with, uh, the bottom line is they tricked him into giving up his Fifth Amendment and then tried him years later that that violated his due process rights. I agree with Monique. A pretty pretty standard fare. Uh, I can I have a Fifth Amendment right. If I cut a deal to give it up with a prosecutor, another prosecutor 12 years later can't come up and say, I'm not going to honor that deal. The other thing to remember, Roland, about this is that the, the Supreme Court could have taken a slightly different position. I believe the other issue pending before the court is whether the probative value of those other women being led into the second trial outweighed the prejudicial effect. I think the court would have ruled that it was too prejudicial, and had they ruled on that second issue, first issue was the, the violation of the due process, had they ruled on the second issue versus the first issue, they could have sent it back down to be retried. But instead, they intentionally said, we're going to say, we're, we're going to deal with the due process piece, because if he violated his due process rights and tricked him into the fifth, giving up his Fifth Amendment and you prosecuted him, then the, the other women and how the trial went, are moot and don't really matter. And so they chose to attack this case like that so that, one, they vacated the judgment, cannot be retried, and then they discharged him. Case over, bottom line. And he's at home at 79 years old, and um, there are a lot of people who, who disagree with the court's decision 
But the law doesn't serve one side or the other. It just serves the law and the judicial system. And this was the right thing to do. It was the right legal decision to make. And the rest of it on politics and perceptions, uh, people can have their opinions. But this was the right call by the Supreme Court of, the, of Pennsylvania. Uh, well, first, Cosby is uh, 83, so I'm sure he would appreciate you shaving four years off of his age there, Scott. Uh, he's a cute, too. Uh, he's, uh, he's, he's 83 years old. Um, but, 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 but Monique, to Scott's point about how the law works regardless of who you are, the critics say Bill Cosby got a sweetheart deal by this prosecutor, Bruce Castor, choosing not to pursue charges. In reading the 79-page uh, document from the Pennsylvania Supreme Court, they laid out where he stated that he did not believe that he could actually get a convention because of inconsistencies in Andrea Constant's uh, testimony, also no physical evidence and the, and the time gap between it, and that he, that he gave many statements where he also said that he wanted to be some measure of justice, which as a result of this decision required Bill Cosby to, uh, to have to answer all questions uh, during this civil during this, this civil case, there were four depositions he sat for uh, during the civil case, uh, and then at one point he did answer some questions. They went to the court, and the court said yes. As a result of the previous agreement, you have to answer these questions. And there are a lot of people out there uh, who are saying that this decision vindicated Bill Cosby, or that Bill Cosby uh, was declared innocent. That's actually not what this decision rendered actually says, correct? No, it doesn't have to say that. It says that he shouldn't be charged in the first place. It right. says wash it all away as if the trial never happened. Somebody in this country is still innocent until proven guilty in a court of law. You can't be proven guilty on something you never should have been charged with in the first place. So people can say in language whatever they want whatever way they want, but I see a lot of people, even even legal folks, calling this a technicality. To me, again, absurd. How is someone inducing you to waive, essentially, your Fifth Amendment right to not be incriminated against? Uh, and, and that be called a technicality when it is the direct cause of things that happen later. Uh, so anyone who doesn't think that they have a liberty interest at stake will answer questions that any lawyer would first say, don't do it, uh, if they thought that there was any possibility of a trial. So uh, what, what I think about now is that people who understand the law and respect it should replace Mr. Cosby with any given defendant. Replace him with your son, with your husband, with your brother. We try one case at a time, and the obligation in the justice system is to do it when it's right to do it. So imagine your family member being made an, a promise that they relied on by the government. That promise is supposed to stand. We need justice to apply the same for every single person in every single case, and that's to administer it fairly. Okay. All right. We're going to pause it right there. Okay. So check that out at uh, Roland Martin Unfiltered on Facebook and YouTube. Oh, um, Roland Martin on Facebook and YouTube. And that is uh, Roland Martin Unfiltered from June 30th, 2021. 
we'll post the uh i'll post the link here to that uh full show i should be on um roland martin unfiltered on friday i'm usually a panelist on uh each friday on roland martin unfiltered so this friday don't uh should be interesting okay <laughs> i was in atlanta where was i atlanta let us see friday before last friday before last i was in atlanta uh, for the Juneteenth Festival. I was speaking at the Juneteenth Festival in Atlanta, the uh, ninth annual Juneteenth Parade and Music Festival in Atlanta. So I wasn't on the show. And then last Friday, he was broadcasting on location in Chicago and had an all-Chicago panel. So it should be back on this Friday. Okay, let's keep going here. Um, All right, let's continue. So I, I want to go back to the uh, article here from NBC News. Okay, we're going back to this. And then I'm going to let you hear the uh, short press conference that took place today also. All right, if you go back to uh, the article from NBC News. Now, it says, uh, okay, Cosby also tweeted a statement on Wednesday. We showed you that tweet. He said, I never changed my stance nor my story. Now, Montgomery County uh, District Attorney Kevin Steele who ran partly on the platform of charging Bill Cosby. So charging Bill Cosby became a political thing. And, you know, you can't escape the fact that, okay, Bill Cosby is African-American. Andrea Constant is white. Most of the women, Bill Cosby is accused of uh, some type of sexual misconduct or, sexual advances, what have you, most of them are white. And I, I remember um, Monique Presley saying back in 2015, she was like, she, she said something to the effect that um, I still, she said, I still find it hard to believe, something to the effect of I still find it hard to believe that even Bill Cosby, even though he was a top entertainer, things like this, he's still a black man in America. If, 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 if there was this much credible evidence that he was um, sexually assaulting this many white women, uh, he would have been prosecuted a long time ago. He's still a black man in America. So I don't know. I know what the, uh, what, what, once again, I'll go back to the first thing I learned from this. Don't cheat on your wife. So <laughs> I keep going back to that, but, uh, Montgomery County district attorney, Kevin Steele lamented Cosby's release. And so this is the uh, prosecutor who prosecuted Bill Cosby. His office prosecuted Bill Cosby, Kevin Steele. He lamented Cosby's release and characterized the state high court's findings as a, quote, procedural issue, end quote, a procedural issue. Quote, he was found guilty by a jury and now goes free on a procedural issue that is irrelevant to the facts of the crime, uh, Kevin Steele said in the statement. Um, he goes on, I want to commend Cosby's victim, Andrea Constant, for her bravery and coming forward and remaining steadfast throughout this long ordeal, etc. So uh, Bill Cosby, once dubbed America's dad, was sent to state prison following his 2018 conviction for drugging and sexually assaulting Andrea Constant. Now, she testified that Cosby assaulted her at his Pennsylvania home in 2004 after she came to him for advice. 
But Bruce Castor, the previous prosecutor, but Bruce Bruce Castor, the uh, and let me flip over here to the uh, screen share. But Bruce Castor, the Montgomery District uh, attorney. At the time, declined to press charges against Bill Cosby, quote, thereby allowing Cosby to be forced to testify in a subsequent civil end quote, according to the uh, Pennsylvania Supreme Court. That's what that's what the Pennsylvania Supreme Court uh, stated in their ruling, the 79 page ruling. They went on to say, quote, unable to invoke any right not to testify in the civil proceedings. Bill Cosby relied upon the district attorney's declination or declining to, to prosecute him. Bill Cosby relied upon the district attorney's declination and proceeded to provide four sworn depositions, proceeded to provide four sworn depositions. But this was based, based upon an agreement with then prosecutor Bruce Castor that he would not be criminally prosecuted. So he gives up his Fifth Amendment right. And he proceeds to provide four sworn depositions. And then the case goes to civil court. But that's based upon the premise that he's not going to be criminally prosecuted. Now, during those depositions, this is what the Pennsylvania Supreme Court uh, this is in their 79 page opinion. This is what they're saying. During those depositions, Bill Cosby made several incriminating statements. Justice White wrote in a 79 page opinion joined by Justices Deborah Todd, Christine Donahue and, Se and Sally Updike Mundy. Quote, the fruits of Cosby's reliance upon District Attorney Bruce Castor's decision Cosby's sworn and inculpatory testimony were then used by District Attorney Castor's successor, okay, Kevin Steele, against Cosby at Cosby's criminal trial. This was, I'm watching the whole thing. I reported on all this when it took place. And I'm watching the whole thing unfold. I'm saying, wait a second, something's this. I said, this doesn't make any sense. I said, something's not right here. I don't understand how you, the whole thing didn't make sense. Now, Justice Kevin Doherty, uh, Pennsylvania Supreme Court, Justice Kevin Doherty sided with the majority and said large swabs of Bill Cosby's prosecution amounted to a, quote, coercive bait and switch. Because this is what I was looking at back in like 2018 and 2017 i'm like this don't make any sense he said it amounted to a coercive bait and switch after district attorney bruce castor did not push a criminal case but justice kevin doherty of the pennsylvania supreme court said vacating the conviction was not a proper remedy and argued that bill cosby could be tried again just without evidence obtained from the comedian's civil suit deposition, without evidence obtained from the comedian's civil suit deposition. Quote, we can order it suppressed, wrote uh, Justice Kevin Doherty, who was joined by Chief Justice Max Bayer, Bayer, B-A-E-R, 
And in fact, this is precisely what this court and many others have done in comparable situations. Now, Justice Thomas Saylor, S-A-Y-L-O-R, wrote in dissent, he disagreed with the ruling, wrote in dissent and said, District Attorney Castor's decision not to prosecute Bill Cosby was never set in stone for a following district attorneys, for, for, for all following district attorneys, I should say. Uh, district Attorney Castor's action was just, quote, a present exercise of prosecutorial discretion by the temporary occupant of the elected office of district attorney that would in no way be binding upon his own future decision-making processes, let alone those of his successor, Justice Saylor wrote. Now, the other justices disagreed with him on this. Okay, then the, the rape, abuse, and incest national network reign decried the state high court ruling. We are deeply disappointed in today's ruling by the Pennsylvania Supreme Court and by the message this decision sends to the brave survivors who came forward to seek justice for what Bill Cosby did to them. Uh, uh, Scott Berkowitz said uh, in the statement, this is not justice. Okay. All right. Now, the uh, in a rare jailhouse interview in 2019, Bill Cosby said he would not offer any remorse for his actions. And if that, and even if that would have affected a parole board's decision. He said, when I come up for parole, he said this in 2019, he said, when I come up for parole, they're not going to hear me say that I have remorse. I was there. I don't care what group of people come along and talk about uh, and talk about this when they weren't there. They don't know. Uh, he told this to an interview to Black Press USA. Black Press USA is an African-American newswire like uh, Associated Press, Black Press USA. All right, now, I, I want to go to this clip here. How's everybody doing? Share this broadcast on your social media platforms. Invite your friends to tune in. Be sure to follow us on our Facebook fan page, The African History Network, The African History Network. Also, give us a thumbs up, uh, hearts, like, all that stuff on social media platforms because this uh, helps uh, increase the algorithm uh, as well for this video. I, I want to go to, the, the, there was a press conference, a brief press conference, that uh, Bill Cosby's uh, defense team and his spokesman, Andrew Wyatt, held today, and Bill Cosby was there also. We're going to go to that here in, uh, let's see, let me pull this up. We'll go to, we'll go to that here next. Okay, and then uh, in a few minutes, we're going to talk about Kwame Ture, Stokely Carmichael, Kwame Ture, June 29th. We talked about this on yesterday's show. June 29th was uh, Kwame Ture's 80th birthday. He was born June 29th, 1941. We talked about some of his history yesterday, and we talked about the March Against Fear in June 1966 with John Meredith and June 26, 1966, uh, um, Kwame, uh, Kwame Ture giving a speech uh, in Mississippi and talking about we want black power. We want black power. OK, and we talked about Dr. King and, and SNCC Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee. We talked about that yesterday. Uh, in a few minutes, I'm going to share with you an excerpt of an interview I did with Dr. Hassan Kwame Jeffries, Associate Professor of History in Ohio State University. And we talked about uh, Kwame Ture, John Lewis. They were both members of SNCC. And we talked about Kwame Ture becoming uh, chairman of SNCC in 1966, pushing John Lewis out, as well as the comments that Bill uh, Clinton 
made uh, about uh, the negative comments Bill Clinton made about uh, Kwame Ture at John Lewis funeral also. OK, uh, in 2020. So that's coming up here in a few minutes. All right. And let me queue up this. Uh, let me queue up this video here. OK, so we're coming. To, uh, we're going to go to this um, press conference. It was a brief press conference. Bill Cosby joins attorneys. Uh, press conference on his overturned conviction. Okay. He joined his attorneys outside his home to speak for the first time since the Pennsylvania Supreme Court vacated the sexual assault conviction against him after finding that he was denied protection against self-incrimination. His Fifth Amendment rights were uh, violated. Okay. Let's go to, um, let's go to this clip here. We're back with more breaking news about Bill Cosby. You see him there now outside his home, the 83-year-old entertainer released from prison this afternoon. He's returned to his home near Philadelphia, and that is where after the Supreme Court in uh, Pennsylvania overturned his sexual assault conviction. Let's listen. This U.S. citizen uh, who served our country in the Navy, not just in the Navy, but he served our country in so many different ways through this celebrity, him and Mrs. Cosby. Mr. Cosby has always used his celebrity and his likeness to uplift women. This is a man who refused to perform at the White House with Nixon. Nixon put him on a communist list in along with so many other great names like Dick Gregory, uh, Dave Thunder. How could a man who was being watched by the FBI every day be raping and drugging women in the 60s or 70s, especially a black man? Today, innocence came to Mr. Cosby with the help of these wonderful attorneys. Yes, yes. To his right, you will see Ms. Jennifer Bungeen. She argued the appeal. To my left, you see Brian Perry. Yes. To Brian's left, Ashley. <laughs> Ashley Cohen. Ashley Cohen. And then you have Kelly Cohen. These are women and men who, who, from all walks of life. As I said earlier, James Brown made a song. It's a man's world, but it would be nothing without a woman and girl. Mrs. Cosby was that woman. Fifty-seven years, the queen, the matriarch of the Cosby family who fought for his vindication, who said he would be vindicated. And today, on this hot day, this is a hot verdict for us that That's we right. forever cherish. Right. Because we got one of the greatest, yes. or the greatest yes. entertainer alive today. Yes. Mr. Bill Cosby, Mr. this Bill. great American citizen, this American treasure, this icon. With uh, he served three years of an unjust sentence. Too long, too long. He did it with dignity and principle, and he was a mentor to other inmates. Yes. He was really, as I say, doing the time. The time was not doing it. He's a classy man. And I want to say, you can't get a report. You have to get in front of you. 
All right. Uh, we'll post this link here. A lot of a lot of it is inaudible. Uh, I think it was a helicopter flying above uh, as well. So it was kind of hard to uh, hear some of the rest of it. OK, so you're going to hear more about this with Bill Cosby with, um, as new developments come out. Uh, we'll go to that. That's all the clips I had. I want to make sure I got through all that. And uh, there was also an article here from uh, the Washington Post uh, as well. We'll show you that one uh, briefly here from the Washington Post. Read that um, also. But we're gonna we're gonna hear more about this, and we'll hear about uh, racism. We're gonna hear about. Uh, sexual assault and uh, accusers and, you know, and, I, you know, I'm against sexual assault, sexual assault. Uh, people who commit sexual assault should be prosecuted if there's evidence for it, whether the men or women, because women commit sexual assault as well. Molestation, things like that. Also, they commit that also. Um. So this article here from uh, Washington Post, read this one as well. Bill Cosby released uh, from prison after sexual assault conviction is vacated by Pennsylvania Supreme Court. Bill Cosby released from prison after sexual assault conviction is vacated by Pennsylvania Supreme Court. Okay, June 30th, 2021. I read this one also to read that as well. Okay, we're going to uh, shift gears here. How's everybody doing? Okay, if you like this type of information, also, you can support the African History Network, dollar sign, the AHN show, through Cash App, dollar sign, the AHN show, through Cash App, or through PayPal, paypal.me, forward slash, the AHN show, paypal.me, forward slash, the AHN show. Okay, and when you do it through Cash App, our cash app tag is dollar sign the AHN show S H O W. It says Michael and shows my picture there. These other ones here, these are fake African History Network Cash App accounts. All right. Uh, if you donate to those in the past, contact Cash App through the app. Let them know that uh, you didn't know, but it was a fake Cash App account and ask for your money back. Because uh, I've had that happen to some people and they got their money back, and you can send it to us if you like. All right. Or through PayPal, paypal.me forward slash the AHN show. This helps us keep doing the research, keep broadcasting. We're here six days a week. It helps us finance the show, pay some of the bills, etc. All right. And uh, be sure to uh, register for the 10 week online course that I teach. We have it starting up Sunday, July 4th, the 4th of July. Ancient Kemet, the Moors and the Ma'afa. Understanding the transatlantic slave trade, what they didn't teach you in school. We deal with tens of thousands of years of history. And what led up to the transatlantic slave trade. We also deal with the African presence in this country going back at least 51,700 years ago. Research from Dr. David M. Hotep. He spoke to our online course uh, a few weeks ago for the Saturday uh, session of the course I teach. We have a new Sunday course starting up Sunday, July 4th, 2021, 2 p.m. to 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So on the homepage of our website, scroll down, click on register here. Takes you to the next page. Click on enroll. As soon as you register, you start watching the content. Uh, we have uh, we do the class live. All the sessions are recorded. You can go back and watch it over and over again as well. And 
as soon as you register, we have about seven uh, episodes, uh, seven classes of bonus content from our Saturday class. You can start watching that content right away and you'll be ready uh, for our Sunday class, July 4th, 2021, 2 p.m. to 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. All right. I want to go to uh, we're going to uh, continue our discussion from yesterday's show. Dealing with Kwame Ture. Okay. Um, June 29th was Kwame Ture's uh, 80th birthday. Okay. His 80th birthday. And uh, born Stokely Carmichael in um, 1941. And we know he was a Pan-Africanist and a uh, civil rights leader, human rights leader. Black uh, member of the Black Panther Party for Self-Defense. Before that, SNCC, Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee. He was the chairman of SNCC. And uh, we know he helped coin the term Black Power. He and Mukasa Dada, with Willie Ricks, coined the term Black Power. Now, and uh, there was a good article from um, blackpast.org, blackpast.org that we talked about yesterday. And in the article, they attribute um, the slogan Black Power solely to Kwame Ture. But I know Mukasa Dada and I interviewed him. And it was he and Kwame Ture and Mukasa said, actually, he was the one that came up with the term black power. But he helped. But Mukasa Dada, Willie Ricks, who's a member of SNCC also, he really helped to prime the people and introduce that term before uh, Kwame Ture dropped it in Mississippi, June 26, 1966, during the March Against Fear. OK, so. uh He's a real treasure. So we're going to continue this discussion. So he was born June 29, 1941 in Port of Spain, Trinidad. His family moved to New York City uh, uh, when he was 11 years old. He showed promise as a young student and was accepted into the mostly white Bronx High School of Science in 1956. He attended Howard University and joined the newly formed SNCC Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee in 1960. He participated in SNCC sit-ins and freedom rides throughout the Deep South, and then SNCC turned its attention to voter registration. SNCC turned its attention to uh, voter registration. He participated, uh, okay, when SNCC turned its attention to voter registration, uh, Stokely Carmichael led the campaign that established the Lowndes County Freedom Organization a symbolic front runner to the Black Panther Party for Self-Defense and their symbol of the Lowndes County Freedom Organization, which was a political party. Their symbol was a Black Panther. And um, Huey P. Newton, one of my frat brothers, a Phi Beta Sigma fraternity incorporated, Huey P. Newton, Bobby Seale got permission from the Lowndes County Freedom Organization to use the Black Panther as the symbol of the Black Panther Party for Self-Defense that's going to be formed later in 66 in October 1966. So in 1964, Stokely Carmichael graduated from Howard University along with other young SNCC activists and became increasingly frustrated with the movement's reliance on white liberals and its advocacy of nonviolent reform, especially in the wake of the Democratic Party's betrayal of the Mississippi Freedom uh, Democratic Party. OK, in 19 in May 1965, Carmichael was elected to replace John Lewis, another one of my frat brothers, 
Phi Beta Sigma Fraternity Incorporated. And we know John Lewis passed away in 2020. Uh, Carmichael was elected to replace John Lewis as SNCC chairman, formalizing the shift in SNCC's ideology. Now, SNCC comes out of the Southern Christian Leadership Conference in about April of 1960. Okay. Um, and, and, and SCLC is founded in 1957 by Dr. Uh, Martin Luther King Jr., Ella Baker, and others. Ella Baker was a co-founder of, 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 of uh, SCLC. She's also going to help co-found SNCC, but she encouraged SNCC to be independent of SCLC because she, she felt that the younger people needed their own voice, needed their own organization. Now, the slogan uh, during a 1966 march in Mississippi, June 1966, is the March Against Fear. Stokely Carmichael first proclaimed black power. OK, now this is according to Black Pass, but it was already being primed. Willie Ricks was already priming the people for with the term black power uh, on the ground before they drop it in June 1966. And in the second incarnation of Eyes on the Prize, and it's on YouTube, they keep taking it down off of YouTube for rights violations. But in the second incarnation of Eyes on the Prize, it's on YouTube, search for it. They do, they have like a 45 minute segment, something like that with Kwame Ture and they interview him and he's talking about Willie Ricks and he, and they show Willie Ricks from 65, 66 and they're, and they're, and they're talking about how Willie Ricks primed the, the people for black power, for the term black power. So when, uh, Stokely Carmichael drops it June 26, 1966 in Mississippi, he said the people were already ready for it because they had already been primed to think that way. Okay, now I want to see if we can go to this and let me see something. Can we get to let me see, is this the right one? All right, I want to go to this clip here. This is from African Americans Many Rivers to Cross. And this and this deals with, I think this is the right, yeah, th I think this is the right one. This deals with the march, this deals with the march against fear. Okay, let's go to this clip. Let's go to this clip. Now this is, this is 66. This is the year after the Voting Rights Act in 1965 was signed into law in August, in, in August of 1965 by President Johnson. Watch that speech in our living room. On our Just a second, let me back this up a little bit. It was a national embarrassment. Congress and the White House were compelled to act. It's not just Negroes, but really it's all of us who must overcome the crippling legacy of bigotry and injustice. March 15, 1965, President Lyndon Baines Johnson astonished the nation by invoking the phrase that had become the mantra of the movement. And we shall overcome. I watched that speech in our living room on our little black and white TV with my parents. Even then, at that age, tears came to my eyes. A few months later, President Johnson would sign our nation's first Voting Rights Act. Just 10 years following the Montgomery bus boycott, a revolution had occurred. The passage of the Voting Rights Act was the high watermark of a decade of struggle for civil rights. But 
despite the legislative victory, Southern states still made it difficult, if not impossible, for black citizens to register and vote. In June 1966, James Meredith, a law student, staged a solo march across the South to draw attention to the issue of voter registration. It would be called the March Against Fear. Barely two days into his march, Meredith crossed the Mississippi state line. It was shot and wounded by a sniper. In the days following the shooting, the movement's elders, led by Dr. King, came to finish what James Meredith had started. But this time, they were joined by SNCC and its youthful leader, Stokely Carmichael. You have two generations, the generation that uh, Martin Luther King Jr. represents and the generation that Stokely Carmichael represents. And Dr. King's message was really wearing thin in this latter half of the 1960s, particularly because there's so much violence. As the violence grew, the willingness to be passive declined. Do you think you'll be able to keep it nonviolent, Dr. King? Yes, I think so. I don't have any doubt in my mind about that. Mr. Carmichael, are you as committed to the nonviolent approach as Dr. King is? No, I'm not. Why aren't you? Well, I just don't see it as a way of life. I never have. The Meredith March is where Stokely Carmichael becomes um, an icon. No one in this country is asking the white community in the South to be nonviolent. And that, in a sense, is giving them a free license to go ahead and shoot us at will. Carmichael and the militant activists, they're thinking that civil rights has not gone far enough. They want liberation and freedom now. He talks about how black is beautiful. And he talks about how black people need to control their own communities. Every courthouse in Mississippi ought to be burned down tomorrow. To get so that when he drops the slogan, if you will, when he starts to say, What do you want? Is it, what do we want? Black power. We want black power. We want black power. And starts you know, urging on the crowd. And the next thing you know, he's got this massive response. What do you want? And that's a turning point in African-American history. And certainly a turning point in the civil rights movement. I saw it that night on TV really? with my mother and my father. Yeah. What did it feel like? Oh, it was electric, man. It was, I got goose flesh. Mm -hmm. You knew that it was like the top of your head was about to come on. Activists had expressed a lot of these ideas already. Yeah. Black power. Not, not in my living room. <laughs> <laughs> I never heard it before. I was like, wow. <laughs> okay. 
he said, whoa, it's like a nuclear bomb going off. Okay. Okay, so that is from uh, African Americans, many rivers to cross. That is from African Americans, many, many rivers to cross. And uh, that is uh, Henry Louis Gates Jr. Okay. And here is uh, Stokely Carmichael from June 26, 1966, during the March Against Fear, when he when he drops Black Power on the people there. He he and Dr. King are released from jail in the March Against Fear, and he releases he he, he gives a speech and he says, "We want Black Power. We want Black Power," and the crowd goes crazy. All right, now, um, okay. And that's two years before Dr. King's assassinated. Now, uh, read this uh, piece here. This is from SNCDigital.org, SNCDigital.org, Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee. June 1966, Meredith March. That's James Meredith. And this is the March Against Fear uh, that James Meredith led. He shot uh, three times with a shotgun uh, 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 um, in Mississippi. He's, he's walking by himself. And um, uh, he shot this white man, shoots him, uh, uh, Aubrey James Norvell. OK, once again, Meredith was a, uh, was met with violence just south of Hernando, Mississippi, on the second day of his solitary march. A white man by the name of Aubrey James Norvell stood along, the, stood along the roadside and raised his shotgun, then fired three loads of buckshot at James Meredith. Several pellets struck James Meredith in the head, neck, and body while horrified onlookers watched. Almost immediately, civil rights leaders from different organizations rushed to uh, James Meredith's bedside at a Memphis hospital with plans to continue, with plans to continue um, uh, the march against fear, with plans to continue the march against fear. Uh, while James Meredith recuperated, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. and Corps National Director Floyd McKissick uh, met with SNCC's Cleveland Sellers, Stanley Wise, and newly elected SNCC Chairman Stokely Carmichael, who stressed that the march was an opportunity, quote, to organize in community, uh, community, communities along the march route, end quote. SNCC wanted to march to focus attention on local voter registration efforts in Mississippi by bringing marchers and reporters to Mississippi towns where most African-Americans were still unregistered as voters. Now this is 1966. This is the year after the voting rights act was signed in law by president Lyndon Johnson in August, 1965. And most African-Americans in Mississippi were still unregistered to vote, which goes back to the Mississippi state constitution of 1890, which instituted poll taxes and literacy tests and made legal in Mississippi all these um, obstacles to uh, the 15th Amendment, okay? And the lawsuit, the U.S. Supreme Court case of 1898 of Williams versus um, Mississippi, the U.S. Supreme Court upheld the poll taxes and literacy tests. They said it did not, um, it did not violate African-Americans' constitutional rights, okay? They said it was legal in 1898. This is two years after uh, Plessy versus Ferguson. Um, U.S. Supreme Court case, which uh, instituted uh, separate and equal and uh, Jim Crow laws, things like this. Okay, now th there was a uh, uh, article from 
this one right here. All this ties into so the, the civil rights, the, the Voting Rights Act of 1965, you needed that because of things like the Mississippi State Convention of 1890 when they voted on the Mississippi State Constitution. Read this article from the Washington Post. Uh, this is from March 1st, 2021. The Mississippi plan to keep blacks from voting in 1890. The Mississippi plan to keep blacks from voting in 1890. We came here to exclude the Negro. We came here to exclude the Negro. Okay. March 1st, 2021 by Ronald G. Schaefer, uh, Schaefer for, uh, Washington Post, the the white man who presided over the convention, the convention's pres, uh, president, his name was Sol Solomon Saladin Calhoun. He was a white county judge and he put the voting issue bluntly. Now, Mississippi is a former Confederate state. He said, let's tell the truth. He's talking about why they were there at the Mississippi State Convention in 1890. Let's tell the truth. Truth. If it bursts the bottom of the universe, we came here to exclude the Negro. Nothing short of this will answer. We came here to exclude the Negro. Nothing short of this will answer. Okay. So delegates eventually adopted a literacy test and poll tax geared to suppress the black vote in a state with a black majority. Mississippi had an African-American majority population in 1890. These white people came together with one African-American named Isaiah T. Montgomery. He may be related to Senator Tim Scott of South Carolina. Isaiah T. Montgomery. Isaiah T. Montgomery was the founder of Bayou, Mississippi. He was the mayor of Bayou, Mississippi, and he was a wealthy African-American landowner. He voted to, he voted for the Mississippi State Constitution that instituted poll taxes and literacy tests and worked in opposition to his own people. Delegates eventually adopted a literacy test and poll tax geared to suppress the black vote in a state with a black majority. The Mississippi plan became the model throughout the South, part of a raft of racially oppressive Jim Crow laws that ended Reconstruction. So the Mississippi plan became the model of these other southern states, many of them former Confederate states. OK, uh, so South Carolina, Alabama, all, all these states, they're going to start adopting something similar. Mississippi's 1890 convention sought to find a way around the 15th Amendment to the U.S. Constitution, which gave African-Americans the vote. Started with African-American men, then African-American women going to be able to vote also. All right. This is Hiram Rhodes Rebels. Uh, he was the first and only African-American U.S. senator from Mississippi. He was sworn in in 1870. There has not been an African-American U.S. senator from Mississippi since Reconstruction, since 1870. Read the, read the rest of this article here. The Mississippi plan to keep blacks from voting in 1890. We came here to exclude the Negro. This is what they're fighting against when SNCC is in Mississippi in 66. And this is what James Meredith is fighting against with the March Against Fear in 1966. And they're organizing African-Americans to register to vote. This is what Fannie Lou Hamer was dealing with in Mississippi. This is what... Goodman, Schwerner, and Cheney were dealing with when they were killed by the Ku Klux Klan June 21st, 1964 in Philadelphia, Mississippi. This is the mentality that uh, uh, Emmett Till was dealing with when he was killed August 28th, 1955 in Money, Mississippi. Okay, now, I want to go to... Um, I want to go to the... 
interview I did with Dr. Hassan Kwame Jeffries. And we're going to continue this tomorrow because um, the Bill Cosby story took up a lot of time. Originally, when I was planning, um, when we did the show Tuesday, I was originally planning to share the interview I did with Dr. Hassan Kwame Jeffries. Um, um, I was going to share that today, but that was before we knew the Bill Cosby story was going to break. So <laughs> that took up. I mean, that's what happens in radio. I mean, that's that's what happens. So I interviewed um, Dr. Hassan Kwame Jeffries, who is associate professor of history at Ohio State University. And uh, he's also a nephew of one of my teachers, Dr. Leonard Jeffries. I interviewed him uh, August 2nd. Uh, August 2nd, 2020. And we talked about uh, John Lewis, Representative John Lewis, because this was right after John Lewis' funeral. We talked about Representative John Lewis. We talked about comments of, uh, uh, we talked about comments from uh, Bill Clinton at uh, John Lewis' funeral when Bill Clinton made negative comments about Stokely Carmichael, Kwame Ture. And we talked about Kwame Ture and SNCC and all of that, okay? Uh, let's go to this clip. Hassan Kwame Jeffries. Hotep, brother, how you doing tonight? Okay, I'm sorry. Hotep, brother, how you doing tonight? Uh, Hotep, brother Michael, I'm doing wonderful. All right. It's great to be on with you. Thank you, brother. Thank you, man. Well, you know, uh, also you are on the advisory board for putting together the uh, 50th, I think it's 52-page, 56-page uh, document, Teaching Hard History, American Slavery, the study from the Southern Poverty Law Center, which documents how the history of uh, slavery in this country is being mistaught in schools all across the country, and it come, and, and it lays out numerous uh, suggestions to better teach the history of slavery. So I t when I talked to you a little while ago, I referenced that as well, man. So uh, it it's, a, it's an honor to have you on tonight. Well, look, brother, let, let's jump right into this. Um, I, as I, when I talked to you a little while ago, um, I said, you know, I saw uh, the eulogy live. I saw the funeral live of Representative John Lewis, who was also was one of my frat brothers, member of Phi Beta Sigma Fraternity Incorporated. Okay, just so everybody knows. Okay, but. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right. <laughs> so um, I know you're a capital, so, you know, I ain't, I'm not going to hold that against you, but it's all it's all good. It's all good. But I saw uh, Bill Clinton's eulogy. And when he when he made his comments about Kwame Ture, Stokely Carmichael, you know, I got a I, 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 I tensed up a little bit. But now I understand the history. I tensed up a little bit. And then I was reading some articles. Uh, and I was reading comments on social media, things like this. And I came across your uh, opinion piece for the Washington Post, uh, August 1st, 2020, entitled Stokely Carmichael did not deserve Bill Clinton's swipe during John Lewis's funeral. It is fantastic. So um, give us um, a synopsis of what this is. And we're coming up on a break in five minutes. Give us a synopsis about this piece that you wrote. You know, uh, like you, I was uh, sitting, uh, doing a little work, had the uh, funeral services on. I point out in the piece that I grew up in the Baptist church, so I can appreciate a good funeral. Right. And, and I was sitting here, you know, and, and it, was a, it was a culmination of, you know, a week-long series of events, you know, honoring John Lewis's life. You know, it, it, and it was a good series of events. Right. You know, that, that, 
some of it wasn't as critical as it needed to be. But you know what? You know, it's a, sometimes in these moments, you know, we forget a little bit of the the, the past. And there's time. There's time. There's, there's time enough to get back to that. But right. in this moment, uh, you know, I was watching just as you were. Um, you know, Clinton did his tribute in his you know usual sort of folksy folksy way. Right. And then he just he, he sideswipes. Right, just throws Carmichael under the bus, trying to make a point that, and this, and this is so critically important when he, when he says this about um, um, uh, Lewis, and what he essentially says is, you know, you know, Lewis lost the election for the chairmanship to Stokely Carmichael in 1966. Correct. And but thank goodness the movement didn't go, and I quote, too far towards Stokely, uh, and meaning that. You know, we didn't get too much black power. Mm-hmm. In the end, we stood with the, you know the nation swerved back. Uh, 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 John Lewis prevailed, and, and and not the not the the John Lewis who's you know critiquing you know power and police in 1963. Right. And, the, you know, and the, the march on Washington. Was, yep. The march on exactly exactly. So so it's a very so the, the swipe, if you will, and and I say it was subtle. But it was savage mm-hmm. because, you know, because what it, what it actually was, was critiquing Carmichael as a stand-in for the more radical black tradition of organizing and political power, organizing for political power. So it was just as, it, just as Carmichael, Kwame Ture, you know, was used in or perceived in 1966 after calling for black power at the James Meredith March as sort of a stand-in for that black radical tradition going back to Marcus Garvey and black nationalism and the like. Right. You know, so too, so too did um, Clinton use him to say, look, America, we we got it right, right? Thank goodness, because Lord knows what kind of hell we would have had to pay if the movement would have kept drifting um, moving in that direction towards black power. And say nothing of the fact that it actually does. Right? I mean, the black power movement does surge. And we would have done, and I'm sort of back up the piece by saying, we would have done better uh, today. Mm-hmm. And we might be in a better place had we, because black power, of course, is just um, a critique of structural racism and systemic racism. Not right. about love and you know, individuals. It's about power. Right. And so we, we, would, we would be dealing with issues we would dealing with now with systemic racism if we would have dealt with them when Carmichael Kwame Ture was calling for them more than 50 years ago. Exactly, exactly. And what I'm going to do, we're coming up with a break in two minutes. What I'm going to do is um, during this um the segment we have with you. I'm going to take people through the article that you uh, wrote for the Washington Post. Once again, it's an opinion piece. To me, is news. Not any opinion piece to me is history. Okay, but I know it's the Washington Post, and I'm glad. I'm glad brothers like you have access to the Washington Post. We need that. Um, if, if Dr. Henry Lewis skipped the truth gates can have access to the New York Times to to write the piece ending the slavery blame game in 2010. And then, uh, I, and 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 and, 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 and you, your uncle, Doctor Leonard Jeffries, and myself, I did a show in response to that. Okay, you should have access to the Washington Post. Uh, once again, it's called Stokely Carmichael didn't deserve Bill Clinton's swipe during John Lewis' funeral. Now, as I said to you, and as I said to Professor Manu and Pim today, because Professor Manu and Pim called me uh, before I called you, he interviewed Mukasa Dada with Willie Ricks, who, who's known as Willie Ricks. Willie Ricks was active in SNCC, and when you watch the second 
series of Eyes on the Prize, which dealt with 1966 through the 80s. Kwame Ray, Stokely Carmichael was interviewed in there, and he talks about Willie Ricks' uh, activism in SNCC, okay? And he talks right. about them right. introducing the black power term, okay? Now, as I said to you and Professor Manu and Pamela, both of you all agree with me, people, I, I see people attacking Bill Clinton. But what, what 99, I haven't seen anybody, especially on social media, say that what Bill Clinton said at the funeral was, was how John Lewis felt. And see, that's, and, and when you dig into this history, right, you see that SNCC fragments. You dig, you dig into this history, you see one group goes one direction, the other group goes the black power direction. John Lewis disagreed with the black power direction of SNCC, he's going to leave SNCC, not just because he loses the chairmanship, but because of the direction that SNCC goes in, okay? And so when we deal with these historical figures, and this is not to put John Lewis down, I cry when John Lewis passed away. I love John Lewis because I understand his history, and I understand he comes from the son of sharecroppers, things like this, but you deal with, it's not just black and white, it's a nuanced history. So we have to understand these disagreements and things like this that take place in the movement, okay? Uh, I'm going to get your response on the other side of the break. Uh, we're coming up on the break. Hey, everybody, you listen to 9, 10 a.m. Superstation WFDF, the African History Network show. I'm Michael M. Hotel. We're speaking with Dr. Hassan Kwame Jeffries. We'll be back in a few minutes. All right. Uh, let me uh, go to the next clip here just a second here. Uh, we're going to fast forward. So... Uh, that was a historic interview I did with Dr. Hassan Kwame Jeffries, associate professor of history at Ohio State University. You can watch that entire show uh, episode of the African History Network shows on YouTube and Facebook. It's from August 2nd, 2020. Uh, I'm going to go. Let me cue this one up here. I'm going to cue up this next one. Stand by. Go to this next piece. Okay, go ahead with your uh, go ahead with your uh, comments. I, I was talking about uh, uh, Bill Clinton's comments and how John Lewis felt as well, and the split that takes place in SNCC in 1966. Uh, go go ahead with your comments, brother. Yeah, I think it's critical for us to, to understand mm-hmm. that the split. Or, or, by the time you get to 1966. Mm-hmm. Lewis is means much more so in terms of his politics and his approach to organizing towards SCLC than right. he does towards SNCC. Right, Southern Christian Leadership Conference. Southern Christian Leadership Conference, for those that don't know. Go ahead. Exactly. Southern Christian Leadership Conference. That's King's organization. Right. And, and as you mentioned at the top of the hour, uh, you know, uh, uh, Lewis comes up under James Lawson. Mm-hmm. So James Lawson, even more so than King, is the prophet of nonviolence. Reverend James and Lawson. Yep. Much as Reverend James Lawson out of Tennessee, mm-hmm. Nashville, Tennessee. And pretty much by 1955, 1966, pretty much starting by 56, everyone who who came into Smith from the sort of Lawson's group, the Nashville group, who were committed to nonviolence as a way of life, that philosophical nonviolence, they had already left. They had already moved on, uh, many of whom, like Diane Nash and James Bevel, were instrumental organizers within, excuse me, organizers within SCLC. John Lewis was the last one. And by the time you get to 1965, 1966, the leadership within SNCC 
was no longer the the national center center of the group, you know, that believed in nonviolent way of life. Right. They were the brothers and sisters, the new leadership were the brothers and sisters come out of Howard. Mm-hmm. Like Cleve Sellers, for example. And they saw the struggle not as a moral one. They saw the struggle as a fundamentally political one. The problem of, of racism, the problem of inequality was a political problem, not a moral problem. And so therefore it required political solutions. And so their thrust, their commitment to change wasn't about changing hearts and minds. It was about changing, acquiring power to change behavior. And so by the time you get to 66, uh, Lewis is out of step with the rest of the organization. Right. You know, and, and, and so when we get to that leadership decision or the chairmanship, the people in the organization looked to Carmichael not because he was a great orator, but because he was, which he was, but because he was a master organizer. And that was one of the points I tried to make in the piece. Mm-hmm. When you just pass, when you disparage Brother Carmichael, Brother Toure, this early period, you miss out on, on the genius that he was as an organizer down in Mississippi and certainly down in Alabama. And your listeners up there in Detroit, they're, they're familiar with that, that black brother Alabama have to talk up there in Detroit, that roots to Alabama. Right. And, and, and so that, that's what that Lowndes County, Alabama, right to Montgomery and Selma, that's where Carmichael, I spoke to Carmichael at the time, you know, leads the formation of this independent political party, creates a Lowndes County Freedom Organization, and SNCC, the organization, says, you know what, we've been looking for a political program, an organizing program, since Freedom Summer, since the uh, Mississippi Freedom Democratic Party, we tried to get the, the, the national Democrats to recognize us, and they turned us away, turned Fannie Lamer and Bob Moses and others away. And they saw what, what Brother Carmichael was doing, what he was doing in Alabama, and they said, okay, that's the direction we want to go. This is our most successful program right now, and it's about independent black politics. It's about empowering uh, local people uh, to put them uh, in, in, in in county courthouses and in positions of power. And Lewis was opposed to that. Right. Lewis was like, no, we should still go within the Democratic Party, which is King's position. So he was out of step. So what we you, see you, then is you said a, You said that was King's yeah, position? Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry, go ahead. You said that was King's position? That was King's position. Yeah, ex- explain that. Was, was that alliance with the liberal white allies. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and Carmichael and most within SNCC coming out of Mississippi, coming out of that the Atlantic City challenge where they tried to get the state Democratic, the National Democratic Party to recognize the black Democrats in Mississippi as the true party, as the, as, as the right, rightful party uh, out of Mississippi. And they didn't. That's when they knew that they couldn't trust these liberals. Uh, liberal white Democrats. They couldn't trust Lyndon Johnson, and mm-hmm. they said, we got to chart our own course. Lewis was still very much in that camp of commitment to national Democrats, and that was totally out of step with what uh, folk with Benchnick were doing on the ground, what Carmichael was doing on the ground in creating this all-black independent political party. It's- okay. Um, we're going to stop it right there. We'll continue this discussion on tomorrow's show because we're basically out of time (laughs) here today. That is another excerpt of the fantastic interview I did with Dr. Hassan Kwame Jeffries, associate professor of history at Ohio state university. That's from August 2nd, 2020, right after the funeral of John Lewis 
and we're talking about John Lewis, Bill Clinton, Kwame Ture, Stokely Carmichael, SNCC, Civil Rights Movement, Dr. King, etc. Okay. Um, if you like this type of information, you can support the African History Network, dollar sign, the AHN show, through Cash App, dollar sign, the AHN show, through Cash App. Also through PayPal, paypal.me, forward slash the AHN show, paypal.me, forward slash the AHN show. All right. So uh, the support that we get that helps us to keep broadcasting the show six days a week, keep doing the research, stay on the air, pay some of the bills, etc. cetera. Uh, also at our website, africanhistorynetwork.com, africanhistorynetwork.com. Click on the yellow donate button. Uh, all of my DVD lectures and digital downloads of my lectures are at our website, africanhistorynetwork.com, africanhistorynetwork.com. You can also register for the 10-week online course that I teach, uh, Ancient Kemet, the Moors, and the Ma'afa, Understanding the Transatlantic Slave Trade, where they didn't teach you in school. This is a 10-week uh, online course starting up Sunday, um, Sunday, July 4th, the 4th of July, or 4th of July, Sunday, July 4th, 2021, 2 p.m. to 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, okay? We deal with thousands of years of history and what led up to the transatlantic slave trade taking place. When we deal with the transatlantic slave trade, we can't start in 1441 with the Portuguese going into Mauritania. We can't start in 1619 in Virginia. We have to deal with thousands of years of history, of African history, now Valley region of Africa, ancient Kemet, uh, Egypt, Ta-Nehisi, Nubia, Abyssinia, Ethiopia. And we have to deal with what leads up to the transatlantic slave trade taking place. We deal with the 800-year occupation of Europe by the Africans known as the Moors. Um, this is one of the books that we use in the course. Now, you don't have to buy any of these books, okay? This is one of the books we use in the course, Golden Age of the Moor, edited by Dr. Ivan Van Sertema. Also, this book here from uh, Renoko Rashidi, Black Star, the African Presence in Early Europe. Uh, these are two of the books. Uh, the first Americans were Africans documented evidence. Okay. As well. The first one from Dr. David M. Hotel. His new book is out now as well. So I have to set up another interview with him. I've interviewed him about 16, 17 times. He's a friend of mine. So we do a thousand years of history and what led up to the transatlantic slave trade taking place. We do the class live. All the sessions are recorded. All the sessions are recorded and archived. You can still watch the course even after the course is over. So next year, two years from now, you can still watch the course. Visit our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. We'll post the link here again. Scroll down the page. You'll see the information for the online course. Click on register here. You can also use this with your children. I would say it's PG-13, the content. I would say it's PG-13. It's not overly graphic. I don't do a lot of cursing, things like that. Uh, click on enroll. The class is regularly $130. It's on sale $80. As soon as you register, you can start watching content right now. Okay. We'll also enroll you in the, our current Saturday class, which has like two, about two more sessions. And classes one through eight, because I just did class eight, classes one through eight are archived. So you can go back and watch classes one through eight of the Saturday class. And you can join us also in the Saturday class that meets on Saturdays, 12 noon to 2 p.m. It's 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And then you will also be registered for the Sunday uh, course offering that starts up Sunday, July 4th, 2021, 2 p.m. to 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Okay, of ancient Kemet, the Moors, and the Ma'afa, understanding the transatlantic slave trade where they didn't teach you in school.
So I'll post the link here. You can register for uh, register for it and start watching the content now. And we also deal with the uh, African presence in this country going back at least 51,700 years ago. And then also in South America, going back at least 56,000 years ago, the Khoisan, who have the oldest DNA on the planet, ancestors to Nainu and the Twa, they go all around the world. And this is something that Dr. David M. Hotep talks about in the first Americans were Africans documented evidence. Okay, look, we have to get out of here. Remember, at the African History Network, we focus on educating, empowering, and inspiring people of African descent throughout the diaspora and around the world. Because right now, it's correct wrong behavior. It's not over till we win. We're kind of forever.